You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Andrew, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Well, good morning and welcome yet again to Grace Community Church. If this is your first time here, we are so glad that you chose to be here on this day. My name is Brad Talley. I'm the teaching elder here at Grace. And um, again, we're glad you're here. Uh, In 10 days, we're going to be initiating a new ministry here at Grace. It'll happen on a Wednesday night on the months during the year that we have a fifth Sunday or a fifth Wednesday, I mean. We're going to uh, bring together a panel of the elders. At this particular point, we may bring some other people into that as we go along. And Neil Manning will be moderating a panel discussion. Now, I can't understand why Neil chose such a boring topic for this first session. It's going to be the believer's role in politics and how we're to interact with uh, believers and non-believers alike, especially after this incredibly boring election. So, Neil, uh, good luck with that. Ten days. Be here. You will want to be here. This is a really, it's a crucial discussion in the church. How are we going to be able to interact with one another in light of the divisions in our country and how we're going to interact with the world as believers? Speaking of interacting with the world, if there is a time in the year that believers ought to be able to share the gospel of Christ with those who don't believe, it is at Christmas time. I know that some of you are aggravated that Uh, Merry Christmas has turned into happy holidays. May I encourage you not to waste your energy on that battle? You know, if somebody says to you, happy holidays, don't say, Merry Christmas. I'm going to take my business elsewhere. You may as well take the gospel elsewhere, too. For three weeks, we've been talking about The danger of conflating the kingdom of this world with the kingdom of God and and the kingdom of God with this world's kingdom. Is your insistence on keeping Christ in Christmas, and and look, I'm all for it. As believers, we've got to do that. But is your insistence on making America as a nation keep Christ in Christmas more about politics or about your relationship with Jesus? Is it more about the state of our nation or the state of your soul? You cannot force your views on anyone. But if the love of Jesus shines through you at this time of year, at this time of extreme unrest in our nation, you may find the opportunity to provide the source of your hope, peace, love, and joy. Think about it. Hope, peace, Love and joy. Those are the four focuses of Advent that we're going to be, the themes of Advent that we're going to focus on beginning next Sunday when David Calvert is going to be preaching about our hope in Christ. And he's also going to lead us in a time of, <clears throat> of sharing testimonies as is our tradition on the Sunday after Thanksgiving. By the way, Thanksgiving 
this message is really about Christmas. It's about sharing Jesus during the Advent season. But we're going to give some focus and attention to Thanksgiving uh, in our home groups um, this week. By the way, David will be preaching, and, I, and I, I kept asking him, are you sure you want to preach on a, on a Sunday where we're going to include testimonies as well? And he assured me that he does. We're so proud of David and Ricky both as they continue to pursue their education in theology. Ricky is pursuing a Master of Theology uh, Divinity degree at Southeastern, and David is pursuing a terminal degree, a PhD. Uh, he is done with everything except for the dissertation, uh, which interacts with speech act theory, and that's sort of a focus of, of the passage today, or his focus will be all wrapped up in this passage as well. As we think about the ways that the Christmas season affords believers to share their faith with unbelievers, uh, I'm going to tell you up front, I'm going to be drawing from Tim Keller's book, Hidden Christmas. I don't know if you've seen this book. It's, it's brand new, just out um, actually, to speak of a, it, it's a stellar book, but to speak of a stellar book by Tim Keller is kind of redundant. If, you, if you've never read anything by this teaching pastor at Redeemer Church in Manhattan, in New York, then this would be a great introduction to his works. Uh, Keller readily acknowledges that two Christmases are celebrated side by side in our nation every year. There's a religious celebration. That, that Christians participate in, and then there is a secular celebration. And these occur simultaneously. And he's okay with that, and so am I. I really am. Rather than bemoan the loss of the real meaning of Christmas, look for opportunities to give the good news to people who realize that there's just something different about this time of the year. There are a lot of people discouraged. There are a lot of people curious about Christmas. So how do we create curiosity? Really, that's not up to us. That's up to the Holy Spirit. Look for opportunities. Pray for opportunities to share Christ with those who want to know more about Him. Today's text, uh, written with extremely simple vocabulary and grammar, is one of the most profound in all of literature. The prologue to John's gospel, consisting of 18 verses, describes how light burst into the darkness of this world, overcoming it and providing life for all who will receive life. Our text is John 1, 1 through 18, but I, I want you to know up front what uh, we're going to discover in verse 14, that the, that the Greek word logos, that's translated word in the New Testament, in the English New Testament, uh, refers to Jesus. So whenever we see in the beginning was the word, we're talking about Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus. As is our custom at grace, I'm going to ask you to stand as the scripture is being read. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. So if you would, please stand for John 1, 1 through 18. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the, in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was or he existed before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him. Our Father, we thank you for this truth that you have given to us through your Holy Spirit about your Son, Jesus. We thank you for the light that burst onto the darkness so many years ago when God became man and walked amongst us. Our Father, we pray that our hearts would not only be open to the truth Of what we read and hear this morning. But also to the ways in which we might share this truth. To a world many times it is in darkness and doesn't even know it. So open our hearts and minds. In Jesus name. Amen. Thank you and be seated. Something is wrong. It's just something is wrong. You know what it's like when all is not well with a family member, don't you? I mean, maybe, maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a, a co-worker, a sweet mate, a good friend. And something just isn't right. Maybe you know the cause of the discomfort or you don't know why. But all of a sudden, something has changed. All of a sudden, things are just tense and you don't even know how to put your finger on it. I think... Most of us would agree that it's an even bigger deal if something is wrong between us and our Creator. It's one thing for something to be out of sorts with the person that you love. It's another thing if something is wrong between you and your Creator, the one to whom you must give account. And guess what? Something's wrong. You sense it, don't it? I mean, you, you, don't you? You sense that something is wrong with all mankind with regard to our relationship to the Creator. Augustine was right when he said that our hearts are restless and they will continue to be so until they find rest in the one who created them. 
Of course, if you don't believe God exists, you probably wouldn't acknowledge him as the missing element in your life. You're saying, you know, I, I'm, I'm missing something. I just don't know what it is. Probably the Lord. Oh, no, no, it's not that. Scripture doesn't seek to prove God's existence, but just simply claims that he is a creator and redeemer of all who will believe in him. John 1.1 could literally read this way. In the beginning, Jesus existed. In the beginning, Jesus was. And Jesus existed with or toward God. Jesus was God. Most of the talk about Jesus at this time of the year revolves around his goodness as a human being. Oh, he was such a good man. And we need to emulate his example. Just follow the love of Jesus loved everybody. And he was kind and gracious to everybody. I'm not sure you've read the New Testament. If that's your if you think that Jesus' interactions with other people were always beautiful and nice and kind and slow. Look, he, he did battle with the religious leaders of the day. Some people, though, look back on Jesus and they see him as a champion of the poor or as one who elevated women to a far higher status than they had. You can't believe how much Jesus did for women in his day and in the church. It's funny, the, the church is often thought of as, uh, as an organization that suppresses women and and, and will not allow women to advance. Jesus was one of the few who would talk to women publicly. And he talked to women of even who, had, who were sinful women who needed a savior. He gladly and openly spoke with them even publicly. So when you understand that, some people think of Jesus in that way. And some see him as those who challenged abusive authority. And others regard him as an excellent teacher of morality. Oh, if we could just follow the teachings of Jesus, how much better life would be. But John makes an entirely different claim. And if you understand what John is saying, then you might begin to get a sense of what it is that's wrong. What's wrong with the world? What's wrong with us? The Greek word that is translated with in the English means toward or is, as in face to face. The father and the son were face to face. They were one and yet they were two persons face to face. Um, it's, it, it's the picture of perfect relationship. Nothing ever marred that relationship. Nothing ever came between the father and the son. It was perfect all the time. That's what it means that Jesus was with God the father and he was God. Separate persons, same nature, same essence. Along with the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. The Trinity is self-contained, self-sufficient. God did not create us because He was lonely. He created us for His glory. And one day that will make perfect sense. I can't begin to explain everything that's in God's mind when He says He created man for his glory. But one thing we know. When man messed up big time. God's love caused him to pursue us. For now. You know the feeling when everything is perfect. Between you and your spouse. Or you and your parent. Or child or your friend. And even though everything is perfect. There's this little nagging doubt. That 
maybe something is going to go wrong someday. Maybe it's not tomorrow, but someday. I wonder if this will ever continue like it is or if it will continue forever like it is now. Maybe you're worried about the other person going away or sickness or, or, or doing something stupid to, to disrupt this wonderful relationship. Anybody capable of disrupting a relationship? You know that feeling, don't you? God and Jesus never knew that feeling. It was always perfect. The Father and the Son. Genesis, which begins very much like John. In the beginning, God. Or before time, God existed. God created the heavens and the earth. We're told that God created Adam and Eve. And, and Adam was created in, with original righteousness. You hear the term original sin. Adam was created with original righteousness. He had a perfect relationship with his creator. Adam was not God as Jesus was and is. But everything between God and Adam and Eve was perfect in relationship. But then Adam and Eve turned away from God. They had everything and they threw it all away. Ever felt like you've done that? And you just threw everything away with a particular job or relationship or whatever. The problem is not only did Adam and Eve turn away from the Lord, but the Lord turned away from them as well. We're told that God is so holy that he cannot look upon sin and accept it as it is. And unfortunately, we don't get to start over with God. When you hear all about peace and love and harmony in this coming month, there's only one way that peace comes, and it's not automatically. It's not like we're born good, and then if we don't mess it up, we're okay. Or if we do mess it up, we make amends and and it'll be okay. It's not like that. We're born sinners walking away from God. Not only is Adam's sin the cause of all pain and disease and crime. But it's the cause of, uh, of dogs attacking children. And automobile accidents. And hurricanes. And wildfires. Indeed something is wrong. And Jesus as teacher, prophet or example is not enough to right the wrongs of this life. If that's all he was, it's not enough. Jesus as Savior who took the sentence of judgment upon himself as we commemorated, remembered, and participated in this morning. The sentence of judgment that is on us by dying on the cross as a perfect sacrifice for our sin. Now that, that's enough if I believe. One of the ways to share Jesus at this time of the year is to ask others if they know why Jesus came to earth. If they say, look, Jesus was just a person like anybody else. He was born to a, a poor family and he made good. He did a lot of good in this life, but he was just like anyone else. You might ask, do you know why Christians think that Jesus came? I mean, why do you think Christmas is such a big deal to those who follow him? Who knows, maybe that'll open up a conversation about the gospel. Look, I want to know more. I want to know more about Islam and Hinduism and all other kinds of religions. Maybe somebody wants to know more about Christianity and you have that opportunity to share why Jesus came. 
Look, something is wrong with the world and all of us know it. But there's something right about Christmas. There's just something right about this time of year. And it gives people a glimmer of hope. And that's the focus of our second point. Light into darkness. What is it that you like most about this time of year, about Christmas? For me, it's the lights. I love Christmas lights. I like them white, mostly. I love white lights. It's not that I am am not going to appreciate all the colored lights, but I love white lights. Lights at Christmas are symbolic of the light of the world coming into darkness. Not only was something wrong, it was far worse than we might have imagined. The law was given to the Jews, God's covenant people, to reveal both God's character and His expectations for His people. And ultimately, though, the law law served to show all of us how far short we fall of God's requirements for us. But the law also, through the sacrificial system and, and, and the morality, pointed to Jesus Although many missed this connection. When Jesus came, his people should have understood, but we're told that they rejected him. When Adam fell, the world was plunged into darkness. And the Jews were walking in darkness as well, just like the Gentiles. All people walking in darkness. Look, if you find yourself in darkness for any length of time, what do you do? You make adjustments, right? You find an alternative source of light if... If the lights go out, you get a candle. If the candle goes out, you, you, you try a flashlight until the bat. You're constantly making adjustments. John 1.5 says that light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Look, this whole prologue, verses 1 through 18, are, are about, this whole prologue is about Jesus. When light shines in the darkness, all those affected by the light have to deal with it in one way or another. Look, everybody appreciates what Jesus has done. The whole world benefits from it. It's the light that lights every man. But only those who respond to the message that is given in the light of Jesus Christ benefit ultimately from it. Later in his gospel, John is going to tell us that some prefer darkness because their deeds were evil. The religious leaders were threatened by the light because they saw themselves as sources of light and they didn't want the competition. So it's like, what do you t- what we don't need light. We are light. Furthermore, who would expect the light to shine out of Bethlehem's manger? This one that Isaiah called the mighty God, the everlasting Father, born in a manger. Seems suspect when you think about it. You know what's interesting about this to me? We talked about this yesterday at men's breakfast. Scripture is written in such a way that you can misinterpret it if you want to. In fact, a lot of people do misinterpret Scripture. And they're quite happy with their misinterpretation because it serves them well for for the here and now. I suppose one of the ways that people deal with Jesus today is to marginalize him or domesticate him. 
But not many people responded to him that way when Jesus was on earth. Here's what Keller says in Hidden Christmas. Quote, if Jesus Christ is really mighty God and everlasting Father, you can't just like him. In the Bible, the people who actually saw and heard Jesus never reacted indifferently or even mildly. Once they realized that he was, what he was claiming about himself, either they were scared of him or furious with him, or they knelt down before him and worshipped him. But nobody simply liked him. <coughs> oh, Jesus, he's, <coughs> yeah, I think he's cool. <coughs> I really like him. Nobody said, he is so inspiring. He makes me want to live a better life. <coughs> if the baby born at Christmas is mighty God, <coughs> then you must serve him completely. Close quote. Excuse me. <clears throat> the very first book that I preached through at Grace 18 years ago was the Gospel of John. And I'm pretty sure we spent four weeks in the first 18 verses. And that was before I knew much about the Bible. That was 18 years ago. And I'm just kidding. Uh, there's so much here that we're not going to get to. <clears throat> so I want to conclude this morning by thinking about receiving the gift of life. I said earlier that I like the lights of Christmas more than just about anything else uh, at this time of year. It was not the case when I was a kid. You know what I liked the most when I was a kid, right? Presents. Man, presents. That was a big deal at Christmas. And <clears throat> this will be shocking to you. I was a pretty active kid when I was little. And somehow, one day, one of the packages that was had my name on it was torn. It just got torn and and... My parents accused me, grandparents, everybody accused me. I, look, I'm like, look, I have no idea how that thing got. Finally, I, I allegedly said, it just peeked out at me. That's all I know. It's probably not true, but that's what they tell me. Okay, it's totally true. Do you, do you remember the best gift you ever received? How about the worst gift you ever received? Anybody remember the worst gift you ever receive, Scott? I know you get Keisha stuff like vacuum cleaners and things like that all the time, right? No, just kidding. I'm sh Scott gives awesome gifts. Uh, <laughs> Tim Keller talks about in that book, Hidden Christmas. I'm, I'm really trying to get you to get this book. I hope some of you have already ordered it on Amazon. It'll be here Tuesday if you got Prime. Um, <clears throat> he talks about gifts that are difficult to receive. Like suppose you open up. A gift and it's a book about dieting. <laughs> you know, you're like, uh, thank you, I think. I, that'd be a little easier than one on overcoming selfishness. Uh, the Jews from whom Jesus came rejected the gift of life offered to them in Christ. Jesus didn't come just for the Jews, though. He came for all men and women. Let's look at this little section again, starting in verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. 
But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God, born of God. Why is it so hard for people to receive the gift of Jesus, the gift of life? Let's think about it this way. Let's say you owe $150,000 to Target. Hey, you like to shop, so you've, got, you've run up a pretty big bill at Target. And let's just imagine this is the old days where if you don't pay your bill, you go to jail. You go to debtor's prison. And the date that is set, the last date for you to pay your bill to stay out of jail is this Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And then... In this scenario, let's imagine Ricky Lee comes up to you with a $150,000 check and he offers it to you. Now, you can respond in one of several ways. You might say, Ricky, thank you, but look, I'm not worthy of this gift. I got myself into this jam and if you get me out of it, I'll just get myself in again. I I really, I I, I just can't do it. I'm going to have to pay. Or you might say, look... Uh, I appreciate that, but I'll take care of this. It's my bill. I'll take care of it. Pick up a few odd jobs. 150000 by Wednesday? Really? You're going to do that? Or you might say, look, I don't believe you have this money. Okay, all analogies break down. Ricky doesn't have 150000 Well, let's just imagine he did. And, and, and somebody said, I don't believe you. Are you trying to mock me? Get out of my face. The best thing to do, the smart thing to do would be to say, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then run to the bank. Not walk, but run to the bank. But it would be a hard gift to receive, wouldn't it? Even if you knew it's your only hope of staying out of big trouble, it'd be a hard gift to receive. If God has offered the gift of life, know this. As many as receive Jesus, receive eternal life. And it's a privilege when you receive eternal life from Him to give your whole life to Him. If Ricky gave you that check, you'd feel indebted to Him, wouldn't you, at some level? You'd be wanting to please Him. You would be wanting to show your appreciation. That's nothing like it is with Jesus. On most election years in this divided country, somewhere around 50% of the people at this time of year are elated and 50% of the people are depressed. This year, I think 90% of the country is depressed. (laughs) If that is indeed the case with us, then our hope is misplaced. Whether our hope is in a political system or it's just in mankind. We can never cause light to shine into the darkness that is this world. We can, though, embrace the light of Jesus Christ who came to suffer the condemnation that we deserve so that we might live. Think about it. Neil led us beautifully. David and Neil led us beautifully this morning in recalling what it means that Jesus died for us. 
Dorothy Sayers beautifully summarized the benefits of the incarnation for those who believe. I'm going to close this morning with, with thoughts about the profound implications of Jesus coming to earth. Quote, the incarnation means that for whatever reason, God chose to let us fall. Why did Adam, why did God allow Adam to sin? I don't know. I, I don't know. All of this is for his glory. It'll make sense one day. He chose, for whatever reason, he chose to let us fall, to suffer, to be subject to sorrows and death. He has nonetheless had the honesty and courage to take his own medicine. He can exact nothing from man that he has not exacted from himself. He himself has gone through the whole of human experience, from the trivial irritations of family life and the cramping restrictions of hard work and lack of money, to the worst horrors of pain and humiliation, defeat, despair, and death. He was born in poverty and suffered infinite pain, all for us, and thought it well worth his while. This is the Jesus of Christmas. It's the Jesus of Good Friday. It's the Jesus of Easter. Sing with all your heart for the, for the beautiful gift of life that is given to us through the plan of God. Worship Christ, the newborn King. Sing with the angels that light has shone into darkness and it's brought life to the hopeless, the broken, and the condemned. And sing praises to the Lord, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, in this series on engaging the world with the good news of Jesus, with the gospel, Our hearts long to share what you have done for us with others. I pray that you would give us opportunities. I pray that especially in this season of Advent, when you came to the earth, Jesus, to live a perfect life and thus become an eligible sacrifice and to die for our sins, I pray that our hearts would be so on fire with the life and light that is in Christ that it shines through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.